Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish dash tech dash news. Hi, uh, so today on Irish Tech News, uh, we have uh, somebody interesting who is very much in the middle of growing and developing uh, something that's very close to our heart, podcasts. So uh, first of all, who do we have the pleasure of speaking to today? Hi there, Simon. This is Andrew Crisati. I'm the founder and CEO of Audi, an English-based podcast publisher. Cool. So we're going to dive into that. But I guess first up... um, you doing this is it a logical progression uh from what you've done in your career to this point uh, does it make sense or is it is it a new completely new venture yeah i would argue it makes sense um i have come from a background that is a mixture of early stage financing and uh, media so i spent six years working for sir richard branson and the virgin group running uh, the whole virgin group across australia new zealand and asia Uh, and I handled a number of global tasks in media. Uh, I was the Asia-Pacific chairman of Universal Studios, and I originally spent a decade as an investment banker specializing in technology, media, and telecoms. In my time at Virgin, working for Richard, one of the things that I did was I invented a new business that is today Virgin Radio International. It is, in fact, the world's largest network of FM radio stations outside of the United States. I was also instrumental in the birth of what we all now know as Virgin Mobile, and I developed its rollout in a number of markets. So I walk into the audio industry having come from uh, an amazing experience of building uh, radio stations across many countries, particularly in emerging markets, and also working with the development of the mobile telephony marketplace. So that's really given me a lot of insight into that particular spot where digital, mobile, and the internet and audio all collide and create what is now podcasting. Look, I mean, and it's a hot space. I mean, uh, they were saying during lockdown, uh, consumption of listening of podcasts in the US had gr- grown massively uh, as well as everywhere else. So on one. OK, so that, that makes sense to me. Um, what is what is the venture? Because obviously you're doing a crowdfunding venture right now. Uh, what is it you're crowdfunding for? And maybe tell us a little bit about that. Yes, of course. So Audi is uh, a publisher. So we seek good quality, very well-produced podcasts from often award-winning sources. And they presently face this extraordinary challenge of trying to navigate a very large but quite complex marketplace of podcasting, which is made up this year of a billion people listening, um, but who are fragmented, whether they are loyal to Spotify or to Apple or to Amazon, etc. So taking a podcast and turning it into a profitable, large audience opportunity is a real challenge for uh, these creators and producers. And we solve that problem as a publisher. So we help finance the costs of their podcasts. We market them globally. We promote them globally. And then we monetize them country by country around the world through advertising and sponsorship sales. So in order to do this, we need to constantly grow and we need to grow at a very fast rate. 
And until now, we've been financed privately by principally angels, also by the United Kingdom government through the Future Fund uh, and through uh, a couple of institutional venture capital funds. We collectively felt as though it was the right time to go to the crowdfunding market because we wanted to have a large number of stakeholders who were vested in our future and with whom we could engage, share our, our podcast publications with them, get feedback, use them as a marketing channel, if you will. So it was a very tactical decision to move at this stage uh, into the crowdfunding marketplace. The outcome, the, the outcome of the campaign very simply will allow us to open three markets outside of the United Kingdom this year uh, and to expand our sales and marketing team. Yeah, look, I mean, and, and so uh, on, on Crowdcube, where, where your uh, campaign is, and then also uh, from the uh, slides you sent me, you were kind of uh, outlining the uh, markets you hope to go into. So so from your um, current time frame on, on the crowdfunding, uh, you, you've, re you're, you've, you've hit the target and you're 50% over. So does, does, does that enable you to do uh, stretch goals that you wouldn't have done? Uh, I, I guess, w what will you do now that you've raised what you wanted and a bit more? We will consider whether we expand into more than three countries this year. I don't think that's a very likely option, uh, but because obviously logistically there's a lot of work involved in that. But it will give us the firepower to open a fourth and a fifth market at the beginning of 2022. Uh, and it will simply allow us to accelerate in the rate at which we grow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's that thing. You can have too much money, but if you have too little money, if you have, if you hit the sweet spot, it enables you to move and and grow well. Um, so in some ways, in a very maybe simplistic high level pitch, um, I, I, are you almost uh, aiming because there's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of great content, but like you say, uh, not everyone's necessary monetizing it. So um, are you almost aiming to be? Uh, uh, podcast as a service or something? Would that be a fair distillation or not quite? Well, I think you can probably file the trademark for that expression in your name, Simon. Um, <laughs> it, 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 there's an element of truth to that phrase. Um, if you compare podcasting to the invention of YouTube, it's not entirely dissimilar. You have an enormous number of hobbyists who create content who aren't particularly focused on commercial objectives, whether that be audience building or, or monetization. Um, but then at the other end of the, the YouTube ecosystem, you have people who are taking it extremely seriously and who are most decidedly in it for business opportunity, whether that be for sales or the development of an audience. This is just the same. The difference between the two comparisons is that YouTube is a single environment in a single location. Podcasts are consumed by listeners anywhere in the world on any device and with a multitude of different platforms from which they, they obtain their content. So the complexity has gone up exponentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, I mean, and equally, and then at the same time, there are some YouTubers that feel that it, there's no longer value in being on the platform because the returns they get are much lower. And therefore, I would imagine this is the kind of offering that you potentially can have when you talk to influencers that you can maybe offer them uh, a better return in, in relation to the figures and the audience that they have. So uh, is that how you're positioning yourself or, or, or how, how do you pitch yourself to, 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 to differentiate yourselves to show what you have to offer uh, better than another platform that might look to uh, compete with you? 
Well, firstly, there are very few companies that have uh, a management team that is a world-class team like ours. We've gone to an extraordinary uh, lengths to find these individuals and to recruit them. So it really is an incredible group of people with uh, very proven skills. That already stands it out in the industry. In terms of how we um, believe that we can compete effectively in looking for amazing content, it's heavily around the commercial terms that we offer creators. So unlike any other platform in the podcast ecosystem, we allow our creators to retain the copyright to what they have created. Uh, and for the first time ever in the industry, we are paying a royalty. So today, if you go and ask Spotify to um, commission your podcast from you, they may pay you a lump sum, but they will not pay you anything else. So whether your podcast is listened to 10 times or 10 million times, economically, there is no difference to you. We, however, pay not just a royalty to the creators uh, from whom we commission, but we actually pay them more than we keep ourselves. So we are most decidedly a first mover in terms of treating the creator with a totally different relationship. Um, and then obviously, there are other aspects to what we do that are in the details of how we market and how we physically distribute that, again, are very distinct from anybody else in the industry. Mm -hmm. And look, I mean, uh, I think it makes sense to make a play in this area because while I mean, and again, this is one thing that uh, on the website you do talk about podcasts have been around for a while, but 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 it hasn't. But at the same time, the way we listen to it has evolved. More people now listen to it for specific things. So, And yet at the same time, nobody has uh, succeeded and got a lock on monetizing it and dominating. So therefore, I, I can see the opportunity. Um, so if things go well for you, uh, and I know you're talking about going to a couple of uh, three new markets, uh, what, would good, what would good look like in one to three years? And then I guess after you cover that, conversely, uh, what, what are your concerns and what are the risks for you? So we are one year old. We started in 2020. Uh, so we're still a very young company. Our goal for 2024 is to have 11 million pounds in sales, which is equivalent to a two and a half percent market share of the markets that we initially aspire to go after. So we think that that's a very reasonable goal, but you can see automatically that if we achieve that goal, we're moving growth-wise at a very considerable rate. And, and that's very much a reflection of, on the growth rates that are in the podcasting industry itself. So getting to those numbers in 2024 is critical for us. If we can go beyond that point, then what will simply happen is we will add more and more countries to our operations so that we will gradually build out a global uh, portfolio of operations and our library will continue to grow uh, at a significant rate. Today, as a one-year-old, we have roughly 600 um, episodes of podcasts that we've accumulated in less than 12 months. Uh, that have a history now of over 6.2 million downloads in the United Kingdom. So um, the goals are sensible, they are attainable, uh, but they are reflective of how the industry is actually growing at the moment. Mm -hmm. So so that's that's when it all goes uh, fantastically. And, and you had, uh, uh, in the conversation we've been having, you were saying also uh, some things keep you up at wake at night. So are those things the challenge 
of it can be, you can make a fantastic start, but it will remain a challenge to keep growing. Uh, are those are those the kind of issues that you feel you also need to be grappling with? No, I think our main our main concern is all to do with scale. Um, it's it's very easy to do something very well when you're a small company and a small team and you're highly focused. Translating mm -hmm. that into a scaled up operation with many podcasts that are being published at the same time in many countries, uh, then that move for, towards critical mass becomes the challenge. And how do you resource it? How much automation can you introduce into that operation? So that's if if I was to uh, wake up at night, which I actually don't do, but if I was, that would be what I would be thinking about. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so look, I mean, uh, th th this one is kind of about future trends, and uh, uh, I'm I'm definitely with you that podcast. I would feel helps and achieve some things that video doesn't. Whereas some people feel that. Uh, it's a trans. It's a linear transition from text to podcast to video. So I guess I'm going to ask you, give us your thoughts on that, and then equally uh, with podcasts and the explosion of podcasts, uh, will will we reach a saturation point? Because obviously the humans we want to reach only have so many hours in the day, and 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 the quality goes up, but but it becomes a challenge to to get them to listen to more, or maybe they don't want to listen to more than a certain amount. How, how, I guess what's your thought on? Uh, is the idea of that we're going to video uh, an incorrect future prediction? And equally, how do you maintain the challenge of um, getting people competing for their attention span? Well, so in, I, I would answer, I mean, it's a great question. I would answer by saying, firstly, I think the word podcast is gradually going to become ubiquitous and it will mean video and audio. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't, I don't believe the future of that word is limited to an audio experience. And that is part of our strategy in anticipating the future. In fact, Spotify have already announced that they're experimenting with video-based podcasting. Video is a critical uh, part of, of the experience that we have, which is why we still go to the cinema and we watch movies. You know, it, the visual aspect is critical. However, what we also know culturally is that audio is the most intimate of experience. If you think about it, you literally have a bud in your ear and you've got a person speaking to you in the most intimate of way, telling you a story or listening to an interview like this. So it, it is genuinely an experience that the listener is going through. I don't think we're anywhere near saturation. Depending on how you define saturation, uh, there are two ways really of looking at it. One is, how many, how many pieces of content can legitimately exist in the ecosystem uh, in defining saturation? And then one is, what is our individual human tolerance for listening a certain number of hours in the week? On the first point, I don't think there is a limit. The only, if there is a theoretical limit, it would be an infrastructural limit around how the internet and how broadcast can accommodate what's required. On the second point, in terms of actual consumption, we have only just started to scratch the surface in terms of seeing people's behavior and how it's moving towards consumption. Uh, two years ago, it was a rare phenomenon in the United Kingdom for anybody to be quoted as listening to several hours of podcasts a week. Today, mm -hmm. today that is 20 to 25 percent of the entire population in the United States. Uh, it is roughly 30%. So you're talking over 100 million people who are listening to podcasts in the United States several hours a week. We know now through research 
that there are binge listeners who are listening in excess of 10 to 15 hours a week. So we've got a long journey to go on before people are fully satiated with um, how much content they want to consume. Yeah, look, uh, I know what you mean. And then so like, you know, my wife, for example, will have particular favorite channels. And even if sometimes they go a bit off topic, she feels that because she's uh, created an emotional investment in them, she stays with them, you know. And so that's kind of interesting that they're almost uh, evokes a loyalty in people. Um, so uh, I have a question for you, and this may be uh, se sector and topic specific, but do you feel that there's an ideal episode length or does that really vary? There is there is a, um, a variance in, in length. I mean, here's good old Joe Rogan, who is creating podcasts that are two to three hours long and having no difficulty in holding on to his listeners, and they rave about the quality of what he does. On the other extreme, there are uh, we have, for example, a show in our catalogue called Brian and Roger, which is a 15-minute episode and people feel as though that's long enough. And it's a, it's a very carefully tailored sitcom. It works beautifully as a 15 minute experience. And then you want to end it and, and move on to the next episode. So I don't think there's one size fits all. Um, what we do know is that there is a heavy emphasis on podcasting while you're on the move. So whether that is in your 30 to 60 minute commute to work, or whether that's in the gym for 45 minutes, we are seeing a tremendous amount of statistical information saying that, that those are the factors that actually drive the, the listening length of any particular podcast. Yeah, look, uh, I hear you. Uh, uh, my business partner very much uh, wants something for the length of his commute. Uh, so, yeah, I, I can definitely see that, that there is some curation by length. Um, you, you've put together a, a, a great team and, you know, like a, uh, I like some of the credits, you know, their shows that I've watched in the past, absolutely fabulous, young ones, uh, things like that. So um, if well, what are your tips for recruiting a good team? And, uh, and equally, I guess, um, how, how do you assess if the fit is, a, if it's a good fit? Well, we are a little unusual in that we use a lot of traditional recruitment uh, procedures, but we also work with a psychologist. And uh, Sylvia Bischoff, who is a clinical psychologist, specializing in what's called team dynamics. So when we're building the team, we're actually having them go through assessments just as much as they're going through a traditional interview process. And the assessments are not so much designed to figure out if someone is the right person or the wrong person. It's to help you genuinely understand who that person really is and what their attributes really are. Uh, and it's a two-way process. So as, as the chief executive, I'm leading the recruitment drive. So as I hire uh, the senior members of the team, they're going through assessment, but they're just as much as I'm learning about them, they're learning about me. And what we found is by working around this concept of team dynamics, which has been in existence for uh, quite a long time, um, you are actually saving about six to 12 months of a management team getting to know each other and I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but the number one reason for early stage companies falling apart is that the founders and the management team fall out of love with one another. So disputes lead to the collapse of the business. So, so far, we've had an amazing experience working with Sylvia, uh, and it's allowed us to build, as I say, a group of individuals 
who are very motivated to join, who are all builders in terms of their own personality and who want to go on this journey with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, uh, I think it makes sense. I think it's far better to, to spend time working on that fit rather than get someone and, you know, try to manage that it's not quite right or, or work out how to no longer have them with you. And that's just a long, avoidable process. So uh, I think that's great. And it would be good if more companies did that. Um, how can people learn more about you and what you guys are up to, I guess, crowdfunding and your company? So our company has a website, which is audi.co. Audi is A-U-D-D-Y. Uh, and we are on Crowdcube at crowdcube.com slash Audi. And you can also find us in all the other usual social media destinations, including LinkedIn, Crunchbase, uh, Twitter, etc. So it's very easy to get hold of us. We're a London-based management team. And we really enjoy talking to uh, potential investors and telling them all about our story. Awesome. Um, I, have, I have just one question that's kind of a penultimate, really, which is um, if you had a wish list, uh, are there any uh, podcasts either that you would love to have within your stable or, or if you can't get them, things like that that you would like to do? Are there, are there areas that you would like to go into or particular podcasts that you really enjoy? Uh, for me, yes, I like. I really enjoy um, business and investigative journalism. Uh, I also enjoy comedy. So I have a tendency personally to gravitate towards those genres for my own listening. Um, I wish there were a lot more recordings out there from history that we could turn into contemporary podcasts. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if we could sit down and hear Elvis Presley tell his story as a podcast? You, you, it would be amazing to go back and see if we can find archival content that can then be repurposed and turned into really cool podcasts. Look, I mean, that sounds like the Smithsonian uh, recordings that Alan Lomax did that, like you say, I guess in some ways, what you're doing is 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 new and innovative, even though podcasts have been around for a while. And equally, we do have, you know, over 100 years of fascinating oral content out there that, like you say, uh, could be repurposed because some of it's on 78s or even 45s or just records in general uh, and even, you know, VHS and Betamax. So uh, I guess that that could be a future business opportunity as well. Absolutely. And it's interesting to see how the record labels and the TV networks around the world have already concluded what you've just described. So they're all moving towards having um, an interest in podcasting. They're all making podcasts because they now just understand that it's a critical and additional channel to how their viewers or their consumers are enjoying content. Definitely. I, I think it's an exciting space. Uh, so look, uh, Andrew, it's been a pleasure to speak to you and thanks very much for coming on our podcast. Simon, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news on Facebook facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE and on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.